0: Wow, that didn't go over very well. <laughs> that? Amen. In the winter time, don't use yellow snow. <laughs> <laughs> Ephesians chapter four. Now, when you hear what I'm going to preach about, you're going to be like, preacher? Ephesians chapter 4. Everybody doing all right tonight? Amen. Me too, I'm doing great. Ephesians chapter 4. Let's read a little bit of Scripture tonight. I'd like to read the first 15 verses, and, uh, or 16 rather. You just follow along with me. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 1 I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. And of course he's talking about the vocation to be a Christian. Amen. With all lowliness and meekness with long suffering forbearing one another in love endeavoring to keep the uh, the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace there is one body and one spirit even as ye are called in one hope of your calling one lord one faith one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace, according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things." And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men. And cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up into Him in all things, which is the Head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Great passage of Scripture. I'd like to preach to you a little bit uh, tonight uh, about spiritual growth, spiritual growth. I was going to keep going with Timothy, but the Lord uh, put it on my heart and uh, just a little bit ago, and I uh, figured tonight's a great night to get started on this. So, uh, Brother McKnight, would you ask the Lord's help in the preaching tonight? Amen, 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 amen. Thank you, brother. Now, verse 15, we read, it says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So I want you to see here in verse 15, we find the premise of spiritual growth. The premise of spiritual growth is truth. I want you to see that, and the need to grow spiritually here in the passage, he presents it, and it's assumed. All right, uh, if you recall, Brother Peter says in First Peter chapter two, one—I'm sorry, First 1 Peter two, verse two—he says that ye may grow thereby. Of course, talking about the need for the milk of the word that's required to grow. So, what I'm just beginning here tonight to show you from the Bible that growth is expected. You know. As a Christian, growth is expected where truth abounds. You see the premise there? The premise is where truth abounds, growth should abound. And the Lord expects you and I to grow as a Christian. Uh, The interesting thing about the Christian life is uh, there's never an end to spiritual growth. It keeps going and growing and growing and growing, right? And uh, I I don't know, there's a misnomer in uh, the human Uh, the human race, said, eventually we're done learning, we're done growing, we're done developing. And it might be physically, because actually after a while, things begin to kind of go the other way. You know, they say you come into this world uh, toothless and hairless, and a lot of people go out the same. (laughs) But in the Christian life, the Lord has designed it so you can continue to grow and continue to grow, and there's no end to that growth. And uh, Brother Peter says, as newborn babes in 1 Peter 2.2, Desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Look at 2 Peter chapter 3. I want to give you some, some introductory material about spiritual growth, 2 Peter chapter 3. And I want you to see that the, the Bible assumes that a Christian will grow where truth is present. And if you ever wonder why some Christians might not grow or it, we perceive that they're not growing, many times it's because truth does not abound in their life. Second Peter chapter three, verse 18, knows what Brother Peter says. He says, "But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ." So immediately we see not only is it a necessity to grow, but you see it's more than just growing in a biblical matter. There's a thing you're supposed to grow in that's called grace. So there's, there's more than just our limited view of spiritual growth, all right? So where the truth is present in the life of the believer, the Bible assumes and expects growth. Uh, just like growing up in, here in Tawa City, I grew up just uh, about five miles from here. Every day that I can remember, mom would prepare the food. She'd prepare the meals. And we had a kind of an old-fashioned, I don't know, you know. Things keep changing. Times keep changing. But my childhood was pretty simple. Uh, breakfast was at a specific time, uh, lunch was at a specific time, if we weren't at school, you know, and then dinner was at a specific time. And the old man had to have it that way, or he'd probably just go through the roof. And uh, dinner was on the table at a certain time, and uh, and we would gather around the table. Mama would call us, say, it's time for dinner, or dad would have that Pierce shrilling whistle if we was outside. We had a little farm back there, and he'd whistle with his two fingers there, and invite the entire forest that's how loud he was and we'd gather around that table and we'd clean our plates <laughs> i know that's kind of old-timey but it was just expected that if she fixed it we'd eat it there was no questions and uh you say well as accounts for the problem you oh shut up no I, that's because of the mountain dew and twinkies that i ate over the years but that has nothing to do with uh, cleaning my plate but most of the food she fixed you know what it was it's pretty good it was hot, and it was delicious. And then, there was meatloaf. <laughs> now, I like meatloaf now, but I didn't like it then. I guess when I became a man, I put away childish things. <laughs> but man, then there was the meatloaf, and I'm you know, I couldn't get enough fingers gagged down my throat. But, uh, you know, some of it, was, you know what I mean? There's always a meal that you didn't like, right? And, uh, and then some nights it was leftovers, right? or leftovers of leftovers, or however far your parents took that thing, uh, look at First Timothy chapter 4. But what I'm trying to tell you is that the food was still nutritious, and the food was still healthy. And that's, uh, I know not everyone was raised in the candy land that I was raised in, you know what I mean? I know that a lot of people had it difficult, more worse off than I did, but uh My mother was a good cook. I never lacked. I had hot meals. I had clean clothes. But the food she fixed, it was always, for the most part, unless it was meatloaf, it was hot and delicious, right? It was really good, and it was nutritious. Look at 1 Timothy 4, 6. Paul's talking to Timothy about preaching. He says, if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. So the preacher, he's got the job spiritually that your mother had physically. Mom had the job of putting hot, delicious, nutritious food on the table. And the preacher's job is to put nutritious, spiritual food on the table. You see that? And then the responsibility should be the same. You should eat it. You see what I mean? That's just a simple illustration. You and I live in the buffet mentality, the buffet generation. I remember around these parts... uh, back in the early, early 80s, these buffets sprang up all the time, and buffets made Baptists misbehave. They did. And uh, some of our Baptist brethren, man, they'd all go out to, used to be called genies, or used to be called charbonnots, and and, man, they'd they'd eat till it was coming out their ears, man. And they were five by five, looked like a bold egg with eyes, you know what I mean? Toothpicks for legs and that. And it was a bad deal, but um, that, that's a generation you and I live in, and what it created, it created a discontent for whatever you had at home. Now tell me, would you rather go out to eat or would you rather make a meal? You say, it's not fair, I don't make a meal. Well, okay, would you rather go out to eat or eat your wife's cooking? Don't say it out loud, you got to go home to her. <laughs> but I'm just saying, look, the preacher's job is to fix nutritious food, spiritually... Prepare it and give it to the people. Here's the difference. When you were young, if you had parents that loved you, they said, eat it. Right? The preacher, he gives the food and he says, it's there if you want it. And you have the choice whether to eat it and benefit from it or just go, eh, whatever. I'll catch popcorn later or something, you know, popcorn Joe or Warren or whoever it is. But uh, so back to my mom here. She'd gather us around the table and we'd clean our plates. And uh, I really like tacos, and I know I've said that before, but that was just something that really cleansed my palate. And there was never enough of them old crunchy, what is it, El Paso tacos, whatever those things. And, uh, man, that was just something else. I, don't put the tomatoes on that stuff, you know. But and, uh, and as you come up through grade school, you grew so fast that there hardly a summer went by that you could stay in the same pair of shoes. I remember I had the local Kmart down here, and they had this crazy brand called T956ers. Anybody know what a T956 tennis shoe was? Man, it's the cheapest of the cheap. T956ers. And they were Velcro. And if you even tried to walk fast, the whole heel would come off. And my mother reverted to T956ers for a while because I was growing so fast. You say, why? Well, I kept coming to the dinner table, right? And I kept eating taco after taco, And uh, by the time you hit high school, your physical growth was even more noticeable, right? The changes become even more present. All of a sudden, you're distinguishing features, and now there's more personality. And all of a sudden, what's this little scratchy stuff on your lip there, you know? And and now you're unbuttoning one button. You might have a hair or two on your chest or something like that. But by the time uh, high school's over, your physical growth slowed down a little bit. Well, yet you're still growing. Your mental maturity and your acumen, mental acumen, continues to develop. And hopefully by the time you get out of college and you get a, a job or something for a couple, two, three, five, or ten years, you start to develop a little bit of wisdom. Why? You're still growing. You know, Christian life's like that. There's no end to your growth. And, uh, and, and if you eat too much garbage, physical garbage, you know what you learned in college? Well, eventually you get sick. You drank too much Mountain Dew, eventually you'd crash and burn. You drank too much coffee, well, your bowels blew up for a while and you had a rough time at it. And you learn these hard lessons. While you're growing. Well, I can handle three pots of coffee. No, you can't. <laughs> and then you eat, you know, 16 Snicker bars in a week and you wonder why you're pushing diabetes, right? <laughs> and you learn. But in the scriptures, a Christian is expected to grow. Look at Colossians chapter 2. I'm trying to lay a little bit of groundwork before we try to do something with this here. But I think many times as a Christian, we often, we, we, we don't pay attention to our spiritual growth as we should. Colossians chapter 2, look at verse 6. Paul says here to his converts in the church at Colossae, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so go ahead and do whatever you want. Well, he said, so walk ye in him. Look at 7. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you've been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. So here in Colossians we see growing pictured and typified by what? Being built up. Why? Well, if you remember in the Bible, you're a building. And in first Corinthians chapter six, verse nineteen, we understand that because our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. So we're being, we're being built. We're a building, and we're being built. So we have a life that we are building for the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you can envision that in your mind, uh, the old kid's song goes like that. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be, right? The other one is kids under construction. Maybe the paint is still wet. You ever heard about being wet behind the ears or green behind the ears? Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're not there yet. We're not, we haven't t- taken a dirt nap yet. Amen? And if our body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, then we can also understand that we are building a life in Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. We're growing, and that's typified by physical growth. It's typified by a building since our body is the temple. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. In the Bible, it is expected that you and I would grow. You and I should grow. First Peter 2.5. I remember coming to this church back in 2014 and uh, some old blue-haired biddy said in the back, well, every one of these people here, they're spiritual babies. And I was, the biggest baby running her lips with a rattle in her right hand was the woman talking. And people have no idea what it is to spiritually grow these days. Bible says in 1 Peter 2, five, Ye also as lively stones, look at it, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices accepted to God by Jesus Christ. So Peter calls our Christian life a spiritual house that is built up. So we're building a life. You know what you're doing? You're building a life for Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter whether you've been saved one week, like our brother here, or 20 years, or 30 years, or 40 years, you are building a life for Jesus Christ. And it's never completed until you go home to glory. That should encourage you. That encourage you because Paul says, I have not apprehended yet. I have not attained. There's still a nail to put down in a rafter. There's still a finishing nail to go in a piece of trim. There's still a place of the foundation that might need some examination and shored up and some some gravel or some debris removed, some junk taken out and reworked. You see what I mean? Uh, look over to Acts chapter 20. And listen, you can only grow as a Christian if you have the right food. You can only grow if you have the right food. Why a lot of Christians have trouble growing is they're trying to substitute junk food for real spiritual food. Acts chapter 20, verse 32. It took a long time, But in my 20s, I figured you could survive on Twinkies and Ho-Hos and brownies and candy bars and Mountain Dews and chocolate milk. Well, guess what I found out? You can't. All of a sudden, my body started going, Well, what are you doing? And I said, I'm doing whatever I want. And it said, no, you ain't. And it would alert me that I needed to stop. (laughs) And then it wouldn't let me sleep. Why? I wouldn't put in the right... Food, fuel in the tank. Now, when you're young, man, you just, you're like a billy goat. You just eat whatever, you know. And you're like, oh, I've got an iron stomach. And all of a sudden, you're plugged up, stoved up, and backed up, and all the rest of that stuff, you know what I mean? Look at Acts twenty thirty two. The Bible says, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. So when we build this life in Jesus Christ, it consists of a need to grow spiritually based upon what? A continuous diet from this book. A continuous diet from this book. If you think you're going to grow in Jesus Christ, it will only be done by the nutritious words of this book. And by getting a regular and steadily increasing diet of the Word of God, this will cause you to what? Back to Ephesians 4.15. It will cause you to grow up into Him. And that's what I want to preach about, spiritual growth. And uh, I suppose the subtitle is, I guess it's time to grow up. And a lot of times we're negative about that thing. But you know what it's time for this preacher to do? It's time for me to grow up. You know, it's time for you. It's time to grow up. You say, well, I am. Well, praise God. I'm not after you. It's just time to grow. See, there's never a time in your Christian life where it's not time to grow. And that's why I think we... We learn some lessons, we go through some storms, we go through some difficult times, and when the storm clouds roll away, we're like, oh, praise the Lord, now I can just coast. No, it's time to grow. Time to grow. Take a deep breath, stretch, and get ready for another sprint. It's a a Christian race. Your fellowship is a walk, but this life is a Christian race. In other words, it's going to pass you by. Ephesians 4.15, the Bible says, But speaking the truth and love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head... Even Christ. So our spiritual growth is to grow up into him, unto Him in all things. It says Ephesians four fifteen: Grow up into Him in all things, not just some things. Uh, some Christians get the idea that spiritual growth means I'll come to one more service. Well, that's not even scratching the surface. I mean, I understand how that would help you, but it's not just about church attendance. Does that make sense tonight? It's not just about you getting along with your brothers and sisters in Christ, although that should come with time, amen? Now, listen, if you're a Christian and you don't have any trouble with your brethren, I don't think you're human. I mean, I think every once in a while, this might be wrong, but I think you should just have trouble with each other. <laughs> I think you right. Why? Don't you have trouble with your family? Well, I'd never... Okay, well, I guess you're not human then. <laughs> Not just getting along with the brethren, not just uh, growing up and be able to understand things in the Bible. Would you you agree tonight that sometimes in Christianity, uh, we have a terminology in church. We have a terminology, we talk things about salvation, about uh, the rapture that this lost world really doesn't know anything about. Growing up unto him is not just being able to understand Baptist or Bible terminology, although that might be a part of it. Uh, not just growing up when it's come to understanding some of the applications of preaching, like what we should do, what we need to do, but yet at the end of the day, it's up to you what to do. But nevertheless, wouldn't you agree, Dave, that there is a need to grow spiritually? Would you agree with me at least on that? A necessity, or look at First Thessalonians chapter 4. I'm trying to lay the foundation. The Bible presents us an assumed necessity to grow spiritually where the truth is present, where the truth is present. And listen, if you can't put yourself in a place where the truth is present, you will not grow. You will not grow. And the uh, Bible says in First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1, Paul says, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more, and more. I want you to think about that verse for a second. We just come through uh, teaching and preaching through the book of Thessalonians. That thing is about growth, spiritual growth. Look how it, uh, it's pictured by. Not only is it pictured by growth, it's pictured by being built up and rooted. But here, growth is pictured by pleasing God and walking with Him. That's what I want you to see. You know how you grow as a Christian? You learn to please Him. You learn what puts a smile on God's face. Don't you like it when you please your parents or when they were alive and you could please them? Man, there's something cool when I make the old man smile. He didn't didn't hand out smiles a lot. (laughs) Yeah, just, just, you know. Now, he was a cordial guy. He was a community guy, and he was, you know, Mr. Wonderful and cool, collected and debonair and all that stuff. But to get an attaboy out of him, man, that was pushing it. But every once in a while, you got it. You're like, yeah, I have arrived. (laughs) But, uh, you know, he says, uh, we ought to be pleasing God. And uh, not only that, but you ought to walk with God. You see that? Your spiritual growth is dependent on whether or not you're willing to walk with Him. Walking with God. You notice uh, the walk with God, it's not hurried. You don't just jam it in on a service on a Sunday. Well, I walked with you for an hour. It's <laughs> like you did, eh? Well, I'm just thankful you stayed awake. <laughs> and here your growth is pictured by pleasing God, number one, and walking with Him, number two. And the verse says, So ye would abound more and more. So as a Christian, you need to grow in the right direction of growth. Notice this is up. You grow up. You need to be built up in the faith, you need to be rooted. And you need to please God, and you do that by two things right here in First Thessalonians 4.1. You please God by walking with Him daily and then doing it more and more. So think about it. If you want more growth, you have to abound in pleasing God. You see that in the passage? You want to grow some more? Then you've got to please Him more. If, you, if you, uh, you have to abound in walking with God, and then it says this. Notice those two words, more and more. You want to become a better runner? You know what you got to do? You got to run some more. (laughs) it Walmart's got that line of shorts that says, and one. You know what that means? Do another layup. Take another lap. Everybody in this world can figure that out. Work another hour. Can you please the Lord just a little bit more? Paul says more and more. Well, I read my three chapters, and I prayed my prayer, you know, and I passed on my prayer notices and all that. Okay. Great. Praise the Lord. You pleased him. Can you do it more? Can you read one more? Can you pray a little bit longer? Not just for God to bless everybody. Can you pray about your own personal life? You pray and ask the Lord to reveal some things to you they are not as positive as you'd like to think about yourself. So here's the principle behind spiritual growth. We're not talking about strapping you to the duties of the local church. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about trying to drag everyone in here to wash the windows and sweep the floor and scrub the pews and get all the gum off the bottom of the pews and get the black marks off the gym floors and wash the window. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about that at all. But what we're talking about is you walking with the Lord. You growing spiritually and you pleasing God daily, abounding in these things more and more. Now, according to the King James Bible, there are seven stages of spiritual growth. Did you know that? Seven stages. Let's look at the first one. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. There are seven stages of spiritual growth. Look, we've already laid out the necessity for growth. If you're saved today, you need to grow. And if you're going to grow, we've already established the fact the only way you're going to grow is if there's truth present in your life. And then if you want to keep growing, then you have to abound in walking with the Lord and pleasing the Lord more and more. What I'm saying is this, what took you two days to grow before, the next step will probably take you three. It's not just a quick read of the cliff notes, take the, uh, take the test, find the answer key online, and you're to the next. That's not how it works with the Lord. It's going to take more and more. That ought to be encouraging because the Lord's not in it for fast results. That's why the results of this church that you see numerically are they're not going to happen overnight. I expect if we have, if, 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 <laughs> if we ever fill this church, it'll take no less than 25 years. But you better get the long look on your Christian life or you're going to get discouraged. You're going to run out of here and like, well, nothing's happened around that. What do you mean nothing's happened? Had someone saved last week, someone saved a month before, someone saved, you know, you see what I mean? People getting saved, people getting things taken care of. There's growth going on right now that none of you see and I don't see. There's people talking to other people about Jesus Christ. There's people witnessing. There's people passing out tracts. And not a single one of you know about it. It's going on right here. And I don't say that condescending. I'm just saying you can't see the growth. So many times, you know what we think? Ain't nothing happening. But it's going to be take more and more. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, the Bible says, And I, brethren, Paul speaking to the carnal Corinthians, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual... But as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Babes in Christ, is that interesting? That's first spiritual stage. If I had the board, you know me, I'd be writing babes, number one, babes. But we ain't going to do that. <laughs> what do we know about babies? Well, babies, babies are cute, right? Oh, come on. Babies are cute. Don't babies make you smile, especially if you can hold them and send them home with mama. <laughs> Right? They're cute. I mean to the gals they are. The guys are like, yeah, no, I don't want to hold it. You know, baby how about those babies are very needy, aren't they? Uh, isn't it true? It's not like a defense attorney. Isn't it true? Babies aren't very good at communication. They got one volume. <laughs> that sounded like a pygmy goat, didn't it? Uh, babies aren't good at communication. They cry about everything. They cry when they're happy. They cry when they're hungry. They cry when they're sad. They cry when they're in pain. You don't know what they're crying for. They're just crying like, oh, they're a baby. (laughs) They cry when they need to be fed. They cry when they need to be changed. You know what babies, uh, they need, they need constant comfort, don't they? Babies are really insecure. If a baby even thinks it's alone, it's squalling and bawling, ain't it? I'm talking about babies. Not anybody you know, you know. (laughs) They need constant affirmation that they're safe, right? Uh, babies have no idea what's good for them, <laughs> do they? If you put them on a changing table with no, with no uh, uh, railing and they could, they just roll it off. They'd roll right off it like it was cooler or something. <laughs> bounce, 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 you know. <laughs> yeah, they would. They have no idea, you know. No clue. <laughs> uh, you know, babies are so cute, they'd play with a rattlesnake if you let them. They have no idea what will hurt them, wouldn't they? They're clueless. You said that's stupid. No, I'm just reality. Uh, babies are stupid, but they're cute. Yeah, they're cute. And uh, babies bring a lot of joy, don't they? And babies bring a lot of sorrow. Once you have that baby, that gonna keep you up. will <laughs> will keep you. And babies uh, produce sorrow when they're brought into the world. I understand. I don't understand it, <laughs> amen, but I understand what they say. The sorrow is quickly forgotten, but they bring, they bring a lot of sorrow when they're brought into the world, and then the uh, mama has to get up with them and stay up with them all the time, and uh, you don't get much sleep if you're a mother or, or a father. Well, you probably get a lot more sleep if you're the dad, but, you know, the thing about babies, I was thinking about babies are, are nice to show off. They are. Especially if you're a mom or a dad. I remember when Blondie here was born. She was so tiny. She, she literally, I don't know, I, she fit like right. She was four pounds. My goodness, she fit right here. She, fit, like a football. I felt like uh, you know, Refrigerator Perry carrying a football. You know, <laughs> i was so big. Remember when he took that thing across, scored that touchdown in the '80s? Man, that's something. We had about 400 pounds, about me, but. Uh, they give you a great sense of pride, don't they? Now listen, I, I'm giving you some facts, but I'm trying to be serious. When you lead someone to Jesus Christ, they're instantly a babe in Christ. Doesn't it bring great sense of pride and joy? Doesn't it bring you a great sense of happiness to be able to see someone birthed into the kingdom of God? If it doesn't, there's something wrong with your stinking heart. <laughs> Amen. And they bring a lot of joy, and they're so nice to show off. I remember uh, after I think I. When the three girls uh, had all been born, come along, man, they're so cute. They get them in their jean jumper there, and you know, eeny, meeny and mighty, and all that stuff. And I tell you, I'd walk around just proud as a peacock with my three girls, you know. And they're all, one's hanging onto a pinky, one's hanging onto a thumb, and I'm carrying the, you know what I mean? That just, man, it just warms your stinking heart. Here I am, I'm big daddy, you know. Me and my girls, you know. <laughs> And they bring you a lot of joy and happiness. But you, know you you learn sooner or later? Uh, you're going to learn that that baby a responsibility like no other. You know, you're going down the road, you're going on a family trip, you're going through Chicago, and one of them just decides to let their bowels explode all over your minivan. You try to clean that thing up through rush hour traffic. You say, what'd you do? I drove the van. I didn't clean nothing up. Amen? (laughs) But what I'm saying, it sure is a blessing to see a baby brought into this world, isn't it? And then when, like, you had little Anthony and Asher here today. Wasn't that precious? That cute little wrinkly, kind of looked like a feral cat almost, you know? (laughs) And they're like, oh, so cute. And it is. And you just see the mothers beaming with pride and joy. But you know what, from start to finish, uh, it sure does take a lot of responsibility, and they're needy. Go to 1 Peter chapter 2 again, 1 Peter chapter 2. Now, aren't you glad that uh, you're, the, the Lord gave you parents? Whether like them, lump them, take them to the river and dump them, He still gave you parents, Amen. <laughs> And whether or not you had the best ones, uh, they did uh, probably the best that they knew how or could to take care of you. Amen. First Peter two two. Bible says, "As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby." Now here's the thing you got to take into consideration when you liken that thing to a spiritual matter. Uh, when it comes to spiritual babes, their diet is limited to simple things. Simple things. The milk of the word. Look at Psalm 119. I want to show you this. Practically applied. Psalm 119, verse 130. Listen, Christian, you and I need to continue to grow spiritually this year. We can't ever get to the place, well, you know, here we are. We done arrived and we done growed up. You get that kind of Beelzebub theology in your head and you'll get in trouble. Psalm 119, 130, no matter where you're at in your Christian life, you need to grow. The Bible says, the entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. You see that? The simple things, that's what a baby needs, the milk of the word. Uh, you know, when God wanted to give the promised land to the children of Israel, He promised them that it would be a land flowing with what? Notice it was milk first, though. You know what His people knew? They're gonna get some milk. <laughs> they need some milk. <laughs> <laughs> the very first thing they needed when they got out of the Canaan land was milk. You ever think of that? His chosen people, the first thing he promised them was milk. Ain't that something? Well, what about honey? We'll, we'll get to that later. <laughs> you know, Hollywood come up with a slogan in the 80s milk does a body good. They thought they were pretty smart, they got that from the Bible. Well, if milk does a body good physically, some people need to drink two or three gallons a day, man. But anyways, spiritually, that's right. Milk does a spiritual body good. Remember over there in the book of Judges, chapter 4, you got Sisera, the captain of the Canaanites, was getting his uh, tail kicked and ran into the tent of Jael, the Canaanite. And he comes in all tired and says, hey, uh, babe, hide me, hide me. Uh, the Israelites are coming, and I don't want them to kill me. I'm, I'm just, you know, kind of, you know, up to date. And he says, "By the way, uh, sis, I'm thirsty. Can you get me some water?" Ain't you know old jail thinks to herself, "This sucker's the enemy of the children of Israel. If I can get him to fall asleep like a little baby, all I got to do is give him some milk." Here he comes in, all wore out from fighting. You know, you know, what babies love to do him to fight he lays down and she brings him milk in a lordly dish the bible says and sister of the captain of the canaanites drank that milk probably drank the cream off the top too about that much of it hammered that stuff down, all that fat set on his tummy there and went just into la la land he was so tired and you know what she did she took a tent peg and drove it through a stinking skull you know what that shows you—the vulnerability of a baby. It needs milk, and when babes drink the milk, you know what it does. Many times, you know what this stuff right here does to a baby Christian. It makes you tired. It wears you out. You want to go to sleep. You gotta be careful. But in Judges chapter four, it says she took a nail of the tent and took a hammer in her hand and went softly unto him and smote the nail into his temples and fastened it to the ground, for he was fast asleep and weary. That's Judges 4.21. You say, nice history lesson for what? Well, babes can only drink milk. And fresh milk makes a baby tired. And babies got to sleep a lot. And babies get tired real easy. You can't, you, you can't put a workload on a baby. You know, you can you imagine that little, you know, telling little Asher there, all right, go to work tomorrow, we'll see you. <laughs> go apply at McDonald's. Oh, you you know, you can work. (laughs) You can breathe air, you can work. It ain't going to (laughs) work. And that's the typical of the baby. They're easy prey for the enemy. You see that? And very typical of a babe in Christ. So the pressing need is to what? Well, if you're a babe in Christ, keep growing. Keep drinking the milk. Not on that, but it doesn't take very much, if you ever stop and think, it doesn't take much to make that baby mad sometimes, does it? All you got to do is, you know, hold it a wrong way and eh, just start squalling. doesn't matter how you move that nook around, that pacifier around. Then things spit that thing out. They want the real deal, man. It <laughs> doesn't matter. You don't got to do much, and that baby's upset. And uh, all you got to do is take away his, you know, rattle or his pacifier and look at him wrong, you know, scare him by your face. They start crying. All you got to do is leave him alone, he starts crying, or just smile at him, he'll start crying. <laughs> just change him, you know, get a little of cold air around his hind end or something, he'll start bawling on that, you know. Uh, all you got to do is don't change him, then he'll cry about that too. Pick him up, he'll cry. Put him down, he'll cry. Pat him on the back, well, he'll cry about that too. Why? He's a baby. You don't get mad at him, you get exhausted at it. But you don't get mad. You don't have hatred towards a baby. You're like, good grief, I hope you grow up sooner or later. Tired of all this squalling and bawling. And so sometimes when it comes to babies, you got to what? You got to feed them, rock them to sleep, or burp them, and put them to bed. Don't you? And you can say all day long to a six month old, you be quiet in there. They're just going to keep crying until they go to sleep, right? And sometimes you know you do it, baby Christians. You love them. You feed them, you do everything you can, and you let them take a nap, and you pray for them. That they do what? They keep drinking the milk, right? And when they throw a fit, you know what you got to realize? They're babies. When when you when you're two when you're a infant child of. Seven or eight weeks, if you think that they're actually throwing a fit, they can probably throw it at that early of an age, but probably doubtful. Let's say it's a year old, throws a fit. You Don't try to treat them like a 20-year-old, do you? Grow up! They're one. What do you expect? They're a one-year-old, right? Hopefully this isn't too simple tonight. And when they throw a fit, you realize they're a baby, and sooner or later, if they keep eating and drinking the milk, they'll come out of that baby stage they go into the terrible twos, <laughs> which is a whole other stage altogether, twos or threes or whatever it is. Now, you need to grow, but here's the thing. You've got to remember tonight, and I hope this isn't too practical, you can't rush growth. You know, from, from newborn to two years old is going to take two years, and they're not going to grow any faster. I don't care if your kid can say the stinking alphabet by the time they're, you know, 12 days old. They are not growing any quicker. There's a physical development that has to take place over the period of time in Christian in your spiritual life. There is a spiritual development that's going to have to take place for you to grow. So now you need to grow, and I don't say this. I don't say this with malice, and I don't say this accusatively. But some of you think you're farther ahead in your spiritual growth than you really are. You say, "Why would you say that?" Because I've thought the same thing. Some of you think you're farther and along than you are. But the Lord sees where you're at, and the Lord knows where you need to go next. And don't get hung up on where someone else is. Don't get hung up on where you think you are. Just say, look, I need to grow. Lord, help me to grow. And you know what he's going to say? Drink the milk. Just keep drinking the milk. And when you want to throw a fit, take a nap. Right? Take a nap. Some, some preachers of some churches, I won't name them, but they'd rather keep you so busy you ain't got time to take a nap. I'd rather you take a nap when you're needing to take a nap. Really. And some people have come into church here before and get just start. just, just the, I hate the sound of my own voice. I, I, sometimes I review it to see if I can change some mannerisms and not uh, try to say certain phrases over again. You say, how vain, help yourself. I'm just trying to get better. And I go, how in the world can people listen to that? And I'm like, I'd fall asleep too, man. (laughs) But, you know, I get to preaching sometimes and some of y'all out there start falling asleep. I'm like, man, they must be tired. Must have had a hard week. Say, you get mad? Nope. Say, what do you do? So, wish I could sleep during church like that. (laughs) That's pretty good if you can sleep in church, amen. But you can't rush growth, can you? There's only one way you get out of the baby stage. What is it? Drink the milk. Drink the milk. Drink the milk, take the naps. Isn't that easy? What's all the pressure? Everyone wants to grow up overnight. Just drink the milk and take the naps. It's all right. Someone's going to change you. Someone's going to comfort you. Someone's going to pick you up. I mean, if you're hanging around the right people that love you, amen, drink the milk, take the naps, and it'll work out, and then you can grow to the next stage. Keep drinking the milk more and more. Keep reading your Bible more and more. Keep praying. How about this? See the need to memorize a few verses of Scripture. That's a lost thing anymore, isn't it? We're a generation that doesn't raise Scripture. My generation was taught to, raise, uh, to memorize Scripture. But we don't do it. I don't do it like I should. You say, what happened? Yeah. Stop drinking the milk at that point, I guess. Start memorizing Scripture. Start believing what you read. You ever read the Bible and get done and go, well, glad that's over. What did you read? Not real sure. <laughs> but I read it. Just start believing it. You say, how do you do that? I don't know. Tell the Lord you believe it while you're reading it. Okay, all right. Uh, but it came as bad. I, I believe it, Lord. Falling to sleep, but I believe it. You ever tell the Lord you believe His Word while you're reading it? You say, that's silly. Just drink the milk. All right. Not just drink it, but uh, drink it. Don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged if all you can understand is milk. What's wrong with that, by the way? What's wrong with the milk of the word? There's nothing wrong. Too many preachers anymore, they'll get after you for, uh, well, Christians these days, all they want is milk. What's wrong with milk? Hey, if you're drinking milk, drink the milk because eventually you come out of that stage. There's nothing wrong with milk if you're still drinking it. Look at 1 Peter 2, 2 again. Not only drink the milk, but can I just exhort you here? Just a few minutes longer and we're done. Not only drink the milk, but can I just exhort you to desire the milk? Drink it and desire it. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. You ever ask yourself, do I desire the milk? Do I desire the word of God? That's a great introspective question, isn't it? Do I desire what I'm reading today? You get over to the longest verse in the Bible, Esther 8, 9, that thing's about a hundred and some words long. Do I desire desire the word at this point? I desire to finish one verse. It took me five minutes to read. (laughs) Do you desire it? Do you desire the book? Do you desire it above other things? Look at this verse that Job talks about in Job chapter 23. You say, I want to get out of the baby stage. Me too. Me too. Look at Job 23. I think Job is out of the baby stage. I'll show you why I think he was. Job 23.12. Great verse of Scripture. Talking about spiritual growth. You and I need to grow spiritually in 2023. This isn't the year to coast. This isn't the year to put it into neutral. This isn't the year to just step back and watch God work. No, it's the year to grow. See what I mean? All right, 23.12. The Bible says, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of His lips. I have esteemed the words of His mouth more than my necessary food. Now, here's a tough one. When you wake up in the morning, (laughs) what's more important? Breakfast or the Word? Oh, preacher, cut it. Hey, Job wrote it. I didn't write it. I sure enough wouldn't have written that verse. What's more important? You desire to drink the milk or coffee? Well, that's not fair. Okay, well, I'm not trying to put you under bondage. I'm just asking a question. Job said, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. And I'm not telling you, I've got it all down. Because I get up many days and go, unless I have a couple shots of espresso, then this house is burning to the ground. So, is that your desire, the milk of the Word, or is it breakfast? Just something to think about this morning. Well, that's the first stage of spiritual growth. There are seven of them, and I'm going to cut it off right here. And Next week, uh, we'll get into the next one. That next one is little children, and you pick that up in the book of 1 John. Now, this thing is clearly laid out through Scripture now. I don't know, I'll do the job that I can, but you pray and the Lord will help us get this thing developed here. But you and I ought to desire the sincere milk of the word. Say, well, preacher, I'm not a babe in Christ. Well, you're acting one if <laughs> you got that kind of attitude, amen? But that's the first stage of spiritual growth. And let me tell you what, I'd rather be around a bunch of spiritual babies than I would be around a bunch of spiritual prunes. I really would. Babies are cool, man. Yeah. For the most part, amen. That's first stage of spiritual growth. Next week, we'll pick up on the next one. All right, that's all we got for tonight. let you off easy. Why don't you stand? We'll pray and go home.